The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus, for the gift of Jesus to die in our place and to rise victoriously, Lord. God, I, I thank you that on this day so many years ago that, that the tomb was empty, that you had overcome death, you had overcome sin for all of eternity. I pray that this morning that we would find joy in our hearts because of that, that we would glorify you because of that, that we would let it really sink in what that means, that you are alive and that we don't have to fear the sting of death. We don't have to be bound by sin any longer because of the work of Jesus, because of his obedience to death on a cross and that you raised him three days later. I thank you for your word in which we know this truth. And I just pray for Randall as he, he teaches this morning. I pray that our hearts would just come alive at this truth and that we would just praise you and give you thanks all day long. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Mary. Good morning, everyone. Easter Sunday. Uh, welcome to Grace City. If this is your first time here, my name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor. would love to meet you. Um, here's what Grace City is about. It's about Jesus and it's about real relationships. And so my hope is that today is just, um, it's more than just a service that we come in and gather. But, but today we, we see that it's a community of believers that are growing in our relationship with Christ and so today we, we come together on this Resurrection Sunday to remember that Jesus is alive. This past week we went through a Holy Week, and so last week we talked about how Jesus had courageously and humbly entered into the city, and we saw that Jesus is this humble king. And today we're going to be looking at Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and how Jesus is the risen king. The risen king. Author C.S. Lewis wrote this book series called The Chronicles of Narnia. And in, and in one of the, the books, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, there's this character who starts to explain the need for this king. The king's name is Aslan. And so they, this character starts to go on about 
how Aslan is this lost king. That, but, but there's rumors that this king is coming back. And as he's explaining the need for this king and how the king was coming back, here's what he says. He says, they say Aslan is on the move. Perhaps has already landed. And as he's saying this, there's a response. All of those who are listening, the, the, the children are gathered around. And, and, and here's what it says. It says, it was a very curious thing that happened. None, none of the children knew who Aslan was any more than you do. But the moment that he'd spoken these words, everyone felt quite different. Today you might be coming and you might have heard of Jesus. You might have heard of this king. But all of us have a response. And so today what is the response? Well, at the name of of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had flowed into her ear. Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it is the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. What's your response to the king? What's your response to this news that, that this king is a risen king? So, see, whether we know it or not, today all of us have a response to Jesus being that king. And as we dig deeper today in this text, my hope is that we will see that it's true. It's true. And that maybe for the first time that you realize, for the, as you're listening, as you're hearing this, that that Jesus is the king that your heart has always longed for. But before we look at today's text, let's, let's ask two important questions. The first one is this, is it true? Is it true? Is this not just a story, but is it historical fact? I don't have time to go into all the details behind why the res- resurrection is true, and I, I can point you to some helpful resources, but... I want us to think on this. The Apostle Paul, who we've been looking at in in the book of Acts, starts as Saul, becomes Paul, says in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christianity, the message of Christianity, either rises or falls on the resurrection of Jesus. Did Jesus raise from the dead? 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 14, he says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. What what Paul is saying is this, that that Christianity is not just a bunch of moral principles to be good people, but, but there is something deeper to the message of being a Christian. And it hinges on whether or not Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection is crucial for us. Thomas Arnold, who's a professor of modern history at Oxford, said this. He says, No one fact in the history of mankind is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort than the fact that Christ died and rose from the dead. 
Gary Habermas, a noted resurrection expert, states that about 75% of critical scholars, skeptic and non-skeptic, accept the historicity of the empty tomb. If you're a skeptic today and you're coming, I just want to say welcome. I'm glad that you're here. And I, and I hope that this is a place where you can find and seek Jesus. But I know that these quotes won't instantly change your mind. But it, it could be a start. And, and I ask you to lean in and, and, and examine the evidence here. But second, if, if the resurrection is true, which I believe it is, what does it mean? Here's what it means. It means that there's a, a possibility for hope and healing. Here's the thing. The longer I live in my 38 years, the longer I live, the more I realize that we all need hope. We all need hope. I was recently talking with my dad. He's in his mid-60s. And it seems like every time I talk with my dad, the more he tells me about how many friends are dying, we start to remember his parents, which passed away about 10 years ago, my grandparents. See, death is a reality. Darkness is a reality. The world we live in is dark. Illness, financial crisis, stress, anxiety, depression, death. But here's what we find is that the resurrection meets us in that place. It meets us in despair. And so today you might have come and you're looking for hope. You're looking for, for some kind of meaning. But I, I want you to know that that's where the resurrection meets us. It meets us in that place. It doesn't reject it and say that it doesn't happen. No, it, it meets us there. And the resurrection brings real hope. See, a hope that the disciples didn't have when Jesus was being crucified. As we think on Friday, as we think of the crucifixion of Jesus, it's gruesome. See, before Jesus' resurrection, all hope seemed lost. Jesus was betrayed. His followers were scattered. Jesus was brutally crucified like a criminal. Triumphantly entering into the city a week before, but now being crucified and put into a tomb. His last cries on the cross were agonizing. Everything seemed hopeless. Luke 23, 44 says this, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land. That day, in many ways it looked like hope died. But this gives us a picture of the spiritual landscape of life without Jesus, of life without God. See, Jesus was on the cross and there was utter darkness. But Isaiah 60, verse 2, had already predicted that this would happen. God, 700 years before the, Jesus had walked the earth, had predicted this would happen. See, this book, it's not just a bunch of scattered letters, but it's one unified story about God and what he's done for us. Isaiah 62, uh, 60 verse 2 says this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, the thick darkness, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you. 
and his glory will be seen upon you. In the midst of the thick darkness, there's a light that shines through, and it's the risen king. And so our text today is Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. And and what real hope do we have because of a risen king? Here's what we have. The first one is this, a surprising hope. The second is a a healing hope. And the third is a restoring hope. A surprising hope, a healing hope, and a restoring hope. The first one is this, a surprising hope. Look at verses 1 through 4. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And so the first part is this. In verse 1, it says that they went. They went. Those that gathered, the women that gathered, were ready with spices. Why? Because they were expecting a dead body. They were expecting to prepare the dead body of Jesus for a complete burial. To finish out the process of burial for Jesus, and so they went. That was their purpose. That was their intention. They were heartbroken, but they still followed all the way to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body. But verse 2 tells us this, they found. They went, but they found something. What they had expected and what they found were two different things. They expected to find a dead Jesus, and what they found was an empty tomb. Again, where, where is hope found? It's, it's, it's found in, in, in going and finding something that you weren't expecting. And what they found was an empty tomb. In verse 4, it says this, and they found that and they were perplexed. They were perplexed. The word um, for perplexed is the word apareo. And here's what it means. It means to not know which way to turn without resources. They had no idea what was going on. This was a complete surprise. There there wasn't like this this hint in their mind that, well, maybe if we get there, Jesus is going to be alive. No, they saw him die. He was dead. And they came there, and they're perplexed, thinking, what's going on? And I'm sure all of these things are going through their minds. Somebody stole the body. What's happening? All of those things are happening. But, but they, were, they were without resources of knowing and understanding what was happening here. They were at the end of themselves. They were confused. But then the words of hope come. Behold. Behold. We see that there's two angels here. And of all the accounts of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so if you're new to Bible study, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're like the biographies of Jesus' life. In all the accounts, Luke is the only account that tells us that there were two angels dressed in brightness, dressed brilliantly, and they asked them a question that they needed to hear. 
They, they needed to be confronted with this question that they're about to hear because they were so surprised. The surprising scenario with this surprising question. Some of you, you might be here this morning, you might be surprised that you're at an Easter service. <laughs> it's not where I thought I'd be. But maybe the life that's going on right now, it's just... It feels dark. But I want to encourage you this morning that there is a surprising hope in the gospel and the good news of Jesus. So let's keep going. There's a healing hope that happens. It's surprising, but it's healing. Uh, look at verses 5 through 7. And as they were frightened and, and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day rise? See, where did they start? He starts with this question, and this is the question that they needed. Look at verse 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? What was the question they needed? They needed that question. Why? Because it would bring healing to their, their deepest pains. They just watched their friend die a gruesome death. They just had to face what death is and look at it. The ugliness of it. The, 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 just how unfair it feels. Again, as I was talking with my dad recently, one of the things that we, we talked about was just how he had to like face it, like be there with family members as, as they're passing on. Some people tell us, well, well, death's your friend. It's just a part of life. No, it's not. It's ugly. It's gruesome. Every moment, it just feels like something's being ripped from you. And they saw it their friend Jesus being ripped from their lives. And they needed this question, why do you look for the living among the dead? About this question, Timothy Keller says this. He says, it was a counseling question. It was a rhetorical question. It wasn't looking for information. It was trying to push them. It was trying to show them their error. It was trying to show them they were disoriented to who Jesus really was and what he really came to do. It was almost a rebuke, but it was a glorious rebuke. It was joyful. It was loving. It was therapeutic. It was out to heal. See, what Jesus' friends needed to restore their hope was for someone to explain to them what was happening. What's going on here? What's happening? We, 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 we came here, we were expecting a dead Jesus, but there's no dead Jesus. And what we see is that the, the angels start to interpret what's happening here. They interpret the scene. God sent these angels to tell them the gospel. That yes, the Son of God was placed in the hands of sinful men to be crucified, and, but he was going to raise on the third day. And what they needed to understand was the story was not over. 
it wasn't over. Because lastly, we see a restoring hope. Look at verses 10 through 12. Now as Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Now, to understand the restorative power of what's happening here, we, we need to understand the context of the culture. And so let's lean in a little bit. Let's think about this. Do you remember who stayed by Jesus' side throughout his crucifixion? His female disciples were there. Do you see who was at the tomb preparing his body for burial? His female disciples were there. And look at what's happening here. God was meeting these women who were faithful to the end. And let me tell you, in the culture then, it was that women were looked down upon. But not in the eyes of God. Not in the eyes of God. Right, where do we get these ideas of equality? In the heart of God. And Jesus is taking the most beautiful message, the gospel message, and placing it into these women's hands and saying, go. Go. And in that, he is taking the dignity, the true dignity that they deserved, that they were created with, and giving this, them this message, the king is alive, the king is alive, the king is alive. Go tell everyone, the king is alive. And what was the response? To his disciples, it seemed like an idle tale. How could this happen? But we see that Peter got up to look. It says, he rose, he ran, he saw, he marveled. See, why do we need to look at Peter today and see his response? It's important for us because this is it. It's the possibility that restoration is possible for you. It's possible for me. That we could be restored. Because do you remember the story of Peter? We see that as Jesus is being crucified, Peter denies Jesus three times. At one point, he was, he was ready to go to death for, Peter, for, for Jesus. He says, I'm ready to die for you, Jesus. But then in the next moment, he denies Jesus three times. The rooster crows. It says that Peter bitterly wept. The, 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 Jesus, the, the, the disciple that Jesus looked into the eyes and said, you're my rock, you're Petra, you're my rock. Peter is a flimsy disciple. He's a flimsy disciple. And so if you've ever felt flimsy, if you ever felt like you were waffling, if you ever felt like, God, could you give me grace? 
Could you offer me grace, a sinner who continues to fall back and forth and not know which way is up and which way is down? Could you meet me? If you feel like in many ways, Peter, like I do many times, and you're listening to this message and you're asking, could it be true? Could God restore me? The answer is yes. Yes. See, the message of the gospel is this. It's grace. It's that when God meets us, he doesn't meet deserving people who've figured out their lives and lived good lives and got their life together. No, he meets people who are flimsy disciples who, who, who desire to know who Jesus is but really don't have the strength to do it. And he meets us in that place and says, the resurrection's for you. The hope is for you. And what we find is that Peter is changed. He's transformed. We're going to see later that, that Peter is called by Jesus and Jesus restores him. And this beautiful picture in the book of John, you can read there at the end, but he's changed. Gerd Ludeman, who's an atheist scholar, atheist scholar, here's what he says. He says, it is historically certain that Peter and the other disciples had experienced after Jesus' death in which Jesus appeared to them as the risen Christ. Says, yeah, something happened where these disciples saw a risen Jesus. That happened. So those who are experiencing Jesus were never the same. They tangibly experienced a restoration, a forgiveness, a grace that is offered in this good news. If you're feeling broken, there's good news in Jesus. So just some takeaways today on this Resurrection Sunday. It's this. How can you and I find hope in a risen king today? The first challenge is this. Examine the evidence. Again, verse 11, on the surface, they said this, that these words seemed to them an idle tale. It seemed an idle tale. See, many times we don't take this evidence that we have and lean into it enough to, so that we're changed. And so what this calls us to do is examine the evidence, lean in, because it's not an idle tale. The gospel asks us to think. This is an invitation to us all. See, if Jesus' closest disciples had a hard time believing it at first, just know that all of us will have times where we struggle to believe as well. You're going to struggle. You may have doubts. But my encouragement to you is to lean into that and to know that Jesus is there and God meets us in that place. But we have to lean in and examine the evidence. Second, allow the evidence to examine you. Allow the evidence to examine you. See, this historical account exposes the early believers' weaknesses. Do you see it? That they didn't believe? That they didn't even know the, the, the reason why Jesus was there at first? That 
some of the disciples didn't even get up and run towards the empty tomb like Peter to even check it out? Could it be true? Do you see that, that, that it exposes in them a weakness? They're not. These perfect people, as we look at the scriptures, what we're going to find is a lot of broken people in here. But it exposes the unbelief in us. And what we find is that this good news of the gospel comes so close to us, it becomes personal. Because here's what it is. It's in our weakness. Admitting our weakness. That we find that that's where the gospel starts. I'm broken. I need a savior. I need a king. That's where it starts. And it starts to examine us. And lastly, it's this. See that the story isn't over. See that the story isn't over. See, for many of us, we struggle. We say, well, and it, it feels like at times my life is over, like things are over. It's done. But could you find hope today that, that, that the story isn't over? That because of what Jesus has done for us, he hasn't given up on you and he hasn't given up on me. But that today we can put our faith in him and trust what he's done for us. Because what we see in the gospel is this, that the king of heaven came down to earth. And some of us say, well, if I could have met God, I, I would love to do that. I would love to, to see Jesus. But what we find is that in our humanity, in our, in our hearts, in our sin, we killed him. God came so close and became so vulnerable that we killed him. But he didn't die for nothing tells us that he died for our sin and that our sin could not keep the king down but that he's risen he's alive and why'd he do it why'd he come love love you see that word love for god so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe on him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's hope for you and me today. And it was hope for Peter. It's hope for Peter so much so that he writes in 1 Peter 3.18, he says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous. God did everything right. Jesus did everything right. The righteous for the unrighteous, you and me. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Here's what he's doing. It's the great exchange, friends. The risen king says, my life for your life. Trade. Trade. And today, that's the gospel message is that all of our brokenness, all of our hurts, all of the places where we say, man, I, needed a, I need a king. He says, I'll be that for you. Come to me if you're weary, if you're broken, and find rest in me today. I invite you today to the risen king and to see that it's true. He's alive and that there's hope beyond the worst parts of this world, the darkest parts. There's hope, there's a light that can be found in Christ.
Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the great gift of the gospel, for the great gift that Jesus, it's good news that you're alive today. And, and for some of us, we, this might be the first time we've heard that. And Lord, we don't know how to feel. But I pray that your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and help us to the, know the truth. Know the truth of who you are, what you've done. That there is real hope in you today. For those of us who feel like our world is falling apart. Like darkness is surrounding us, Lord. You took what the world saw as the darkest moments. In many ways, we looked at it and, and, and we thought there's no way coming back from that. Jesus, you, you rose from the dead. And you, it's true. And so we thank you for that good news this morning. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.